Gratitude That's my everyday Have you ever looked up at the stars and just wondered what it all means? Asking yourself, how do we get here and where are we going? When I look out in the world, I see so many people getting lost in their stories, rarely thinking about or asking the bigger, unanswerable questions of the universe. Like, what's the purpose of life? How did we come to be? And what happens when we die? Well, this is pretty much all I think about. And so I decided to start asking others as well. Welcome to Quantum Coffee. To discover who you really are as a person, you have to go beyond who you think you are. Mm. You know, like you have to go beyond fear, right? To experience like true unconditional love, you have to go beyond conditional love, right? We have to climb to the highest mountain and feel and experience that. And then we have to go to the deepest valley and feel and experience that to somehow find who our true self is. That was Lucas Crump, the CEO of an amazing company and community called Everyman. And he is uh, my guest today on Quantum Coffee. He's an amazing guy. We have a really cool conversation. Um, Everyman is a really cool community, um, really mission-focused on helping provide community and safe space for men to express their emotions and do some deeper work. And I've learned a lot from them. They've supported me on my journey. Um, especially in creating my own community for former professional athletes. And um, I went to one of the retreats and it absolutely shifted my life. And the work that they're doing in the world is incredible. And, you know, Lucas's journey is incredible as well. He shares a little bit about that. And he has such a heart for service. And I hope this episode adds a ton of value to you guys. I know it did for me. Enjoy. Lucas, what's up, brother? Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you, Joe. Uh, excited to be here. I'm really excited to dive deep into these deeper, far-reaching, universal questions that, surprisingly, most people don't really talk about that often, but it's like one of my favorite things to discuss. And I'm excited to get your perspective on you know, the deeper state of reality. Um, but before we dive in, let's... Um, Share with the listeners a little bit about who you are, a little bit about your background, and the beautiful work you're doing in the world now. Um, yeah, my name is Lucas Crump. Um, I'm originally from Kansas and grew up in the Midwest. Um, after college, I, uh, I headed overseas. I always like to say that if you grow up in Kansas, you always, you always want to leave. Um, not a knock on Kansas, but... I certainly, at a young age, had a deep desire to go and see the world. Um, so um, at the age of 21, 22, I actually took a job overseas um, and ended up spending 10 years living and working abroad. Um, lived in Africa, lived in Egypt, lived um, in the Caribbean, Thailand, spent a lot of time in India and Southeast Asia, uh, lived in Singapore for a number of years. Um, 
you know, and a, and a lot of that has shaped who I am today and the experiences that I've had. Um, but if I, if I think about what, if I think about the impactful moments for me throughout my, throughout my life to date, I think one of them was going to an all boys Jesuit school. Um, you know, the creed of, the, of that school, Rockers High School, was man for others. It placed a great emphasis on service. Um, it was a Jesuit high school. Um, and, you know, that was probably the first interaction that I had with men and really, and really understanding what service means. And so I think it's only natural that now later in life, um, my work would be orienting towards um, service. Um, so... Yeah, I mean that's 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 a lot right there. We can jump in anywhere. Right now, I'm the I'm the co-founder um, and CEO of Everyman. Um, Everyman is a men's wellness organization focused on providing men tools, resources, and community um, to enable them to lead happier, healthier lives. Mm. Yeah, we're very aligned on the work that we're doing, and it's been so amazing. Uh, meeting you and feeling so supported by you um, on my mission as well, providing this kind of work for for former athletes. Um, yeah, let's, let's, let's dive into the first question and then we can kind of go from there. Uh, I like to ask all my guests, um, like what the purpose of life is. And, you know, we can talk about our individual purpose a little bit, but like, what is the reason that we are even here as humans in this reality? I know it's crazy out there and a lot of people get so lost in their story and their, and the, and the programming that society puts on us and how things are supposed to be. And, um, you know, so what, in, in your eyes, what is the purpose of this existence? And like, why are, why are we here in the first place? Um, it's a great question. Uh, and I think it, it requires thought, but my immediate reaction is service. Like, I truly mm. think that we are put on this earth to serve, um, to serve ourselves and to serve others. Um, I don't think that we're placed on this earth to be, to be selfish. Um, you know, I think if we look at our evolutionary biology, human beings are hardwired to connect. We know that, you know, when, when mammals are alone, they, they die, right? If a wolf falls out of a pack, he's not going to survive very long. Um, so we are intended to connect. And part of being part of being in connection is being in service. Um, and so I think that the, the time that we are given on earth is to one of the highest uses of that time is to be of service to others. Mm. Yeah, I've found um, I feel like we all go on this journey like of wanting to achieve or wanting to accomplish of wanting to acquire. And it's what our society kind of tells us what success looks like and what's going to make us happy. And, you know, I realized, you know, I used football, I, I'm, I'm writing my book right now and, um, you know, uncovering a deeper part of my story and who I am. And I realized that, you know, we all have this void within us and our culture, consumer culture says that you can fill that void with a bunch of stuff and things, and that's, what's going to make you happy. But what we realize is that is a never ending cycle. And that's what they call about, about the rat race or the hamster wheel. You know, and I'm grateful enough that I, I ended up achieving my childhood dream, playing in the NFL, you know, getting more money than I know what to do with. And I realized that 
I found football and, you know, I, I had a not so close relationship with my dad, one that I really, uh, desired on a deep level. And my dad's not a bad person. He's, he's a great guy. He just wasn't very present in the way I needed, especially growing up. And when I found football, it was an opportunity for me to fill that void with something that I was good at. And I got a lot of attention and love for that. And I ended up going on this journey of finding a lot of success and getting a lot of money. And I realized that there's always more money to be had. I mean, at one point I was making, I think $3 million a year. And I was looking at the guy next to me, he's making $8 million a year. And I just, I had this awakening. I was like, okay, like it doesn't matter how much money I'm going to make. There's always somebody making more money. And when I walked away from football after my body kind of just said enough, you know, there was that void and it was gaping and it, it was hard to fill. And that's when I went on that journey to really try and find, find myself and realizing in that journey of finding myself to really find fulfillment in this life. It's, you know, how can I show up and be of service to others? Mm -hmm. And you have to feel that, fill that void with, with self-love and, and understand your own worthiness to show up in the world and be alive. And, you know, it's really beautiful. You said to, to show up, to be of service is really how we're hardwired to find fulfillment, real fulfillment. And so, you know, well, going on that path, I, not everybody. Right. Just, I ahead. think what's interesting about that is like what you talked about is kind of the paradox of being human. And I think it, it, to take it a step further, it's, it's one of the paradoxes of being a man, right? Where we're, we're, we're told to want these extrinsic values, right? Money, beauty, status, success. Um, but ultimately, when we achieve them, they don't provide the nourishment and the fulfillment that we actually crave. Um, there's a, you know, one of my favorite books is, um, is Tribe by Sebastian Younger. And he talks about how as humans, we need three core things to our being. One is to feel competent in who we are um, and what we do. The second is to feel authentic. In, in how we live our lives and how we show up in the world. And the third is to feel connected. Those are the intrinsic values that we as humans need to feel alive, to feel happy, to feel healthy. But our world presents the opposite, the, extri the mm. extrinsic values. And the irony of that is like, I can't tell you that the stove is hot. Like you literally have to touch it for yourself um, and figure out that it is hot. I think about the work that I do now and you know, it's certainly not the same as an NFL player, but I was a, I grew up in Kansas. Um, you know, my, my father had a mental disability. Um, I, you know, very chaotic household growing up with a lot of abuse. Um, you know, which really fractured my relationship with my father. It wounded me. Um, and we didn't have a lot of money. I was poor. I was always worried that we weren't going to have enough. Um, and my response to that was work. I worked really, really hard. I started my first business when I was 13 years old mowing lawns. And before that, I used to wait tables at my, at my mom and my grandmother's bakery when I was 10. Um, because I didn't like the idea of somebody else having control over my well-being. And, and mm. an ability to care for myself. But at the same time, that wound is what drove me, is what drove me in my life. And, and you know, 
I, I've worked incredibly hard at different at different, you know, really all throughout my life. I went to business school, got my MBA, went and you know joined a tech startup. You know, thought that I should do that. The, that company got acquired. I was fortunate enough to make some money out of that. Then I went and um, had a, a large corporate job, which was really kind of that was my NFL. You know, I was I was I was global vice president at a Fortune 100 company, making more money than I ever thought that I would, but at the same time feeling more empty and less purposeful than I ever had in my life. Um, and what was interesting when I was doing that is I was also struggling with my own sense of who am I? What am I supposed to do? What is my purpose? Right. And that's where I, you know, that's really, I really went inwards and looked at my life. Um, and I can remember going to a therapist at the time. And that was my relationship with my sort of mental health and anxiety and struggles and, and just asked him like, Hey, uh, I'm not happy. And he's like, you know, you got a hole in your heart and it's never going to get filled. There's never going to be enough money. There's never going to be enough drugs. There's never going to be enough women. There's never going to be enough parties. That's going to make you feel happy until you decide to grow yourself up to patch the hole and start to love yourself and create a community that can support you in being who you want to be. Um, and that was really, that was pre every man. Um, but it was certainly mm. a catalyst for me to, for me to go out and find that community, find men like Dan and own Marcus um, and, you know, all the other incredible guys that have come through that have supported me on this journey. Um, what yeah. led you to that, to that point? Um, you know, where you finally were like, when you finally had a realization, like, was it a slow process or was it like an aha moment where it's like all these things I'm doing, trying to fill this void, like I'm still unsatisfied. I've worked hard, I've made money and it's still, it's still there. What was that aha moment like and what forced you to finally seek help? And then kind of, you know, that awakening and transition of, of, of trying to find, fill that void. And, and how did you, how do people fill the void? Like, what do you, what would you recommend to people that might be feeling similarly right now? Yeah. Um, it, it, it happened to me in a, in a, in a couple of different ways. I mean, when I moved overseas, when I left, uh, Kansas after college, um, that was one part adventure, one part me escaping a lot of the pain of my childhood. Um, not wanting to, to deal with some of not wanting to deal with some healing that I had to do with my father um, who was still alive at the time with my mother, with, with other parts of my family. So instead of dealing with it, I just escaped. I went overseas. Um, and I had an incredible adventure. Um, but while I was overseas, I got very homesick. I mean, I'm actually very close with my, with my two brothers and my sister. I mean, they mean everything to me. And as well as my mother, I'm very close with my family. Um, and when I was overseas, I, disconnected my head and my heart. Um, you know, I was 27, 28 years old living in Bangkok, Thailand. Um, one can only imagine the, the trouble I was getting into because I was doing all of that and, and, and then some, <laughs> um, Man, that's another podcast. Lucas, when you shared me this, I know when you shared me this story, that first time we met, Oh my God, it was like, 
a piece of me was like really envious and wish we could have partied together back in the good old days. But <laughs> yeah, that's for a different time. We're both different men now. I mean, you know, we could, we could, we could maybe go back. one time for good old sake. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but no, what was, you know, what was present for me when I was at that stage of my life in my twenties was how disconnected I was from myself, how disconnected I was from, from my emotions. Um, and I had an event where my grandmother passed away, my grandfather passed away, and then my father passed away in about a four-year period. Um, and rather than facing the, uh, you know, rather than facing those events head on, I just retreated. I actually didn't even go home when I was living in Thailand to the funerals. Um, and so I just basically stuffed it. I, I took the sadness and I, and I stuffed it down. And when I was 32, I had an emotional breakdown, um, actually ended up in a Singaporean mental hospital, um, which is another podcast. Um, mm. <laughs> but that was a real pivotal moment for me in terms of just looking at my life and actually deciding to move back to the States. Um, and so after that happened, I moved back to the U S I moved to New York city. Um, you know, and I tried to assimilate, like I tried to be a 32 year old guy at, you know, living in New York city. Um, and what I found myself doing is one feeling like a fish out of water because I didn't actually know how to communicate and hang out with guys. I'd literally just spent 10 years of my life living all over the world, living a very different life and then being thrust into New York city, working in an office. I mean, I can remember going on my first date and I can remember my first day in the office and not really even know office etiquette. I mean, it was very weird. And what I found myself doing was just sort of following the path that I thought that I should follow. Keep in mind, I, you know, my dad wasn't around at that stage and I didn't have a lot of men that I really looked up to. And so I just did what everybody else told me I should do or what I thought I should do. Um, I worked, I partied, I dated, I, you know, tried to fit in. And fortunately, my work ethic led me to, to a company that, you know, was successful and had an exit. And that was, that was an incredible moment. But at the same time, at 37 years old, having lived all over the world, having you know, gone to business school, have, you know, done all of these things that I thought that I should be doing as a man. I was so empty inside. And I think what it, what it comes down to, to go back to your question is like, I think it's just an acute pain. Like at some point, the pain and suffering just becomes so bad that you can't do it anymore. And I know exactly what the moment was for me. Um, you know, it was, you know, it was just really waking up after a, a, a big weekend. Um, and just looking at myself and being like, wow, is that the guy that I want to be? Mm. Am I, do I want to hang out with this guy? Mm. And my response is no. Mm. And that was the moment that I, you know, made a critical decision to say, Hey, I, I think it's time. I think it's time for me to, to follow a different path. And men ask me, or you'd say, what, what do I suggest to men? It's like, I, I can't, everybody has to come to that realization themselves. 
what I can, what what we can do, what every man can help with is raising consciousness and awareness around that. But ultimately for you to change, you have to own your, you have to own that change. It has to be what you want. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the first, you know, the first like mad, like awakening, um, especially on the spiritual path, it really just the human experience is this awakening of self-responsibility, right? Mm-hmm. And taking ownership for your life. And you, you know, asked the question earlier, like, who am I? And that's a question that everybody should really ask themselves. And, you know, a lot of times we put on these masks and we show up in different situations at different people. And there's this part of us in, deep down that we feel like frightened to show or we've suppressed it or it's been traumatized and, it just eats away at us until we can really look in the mirror, like you said, and everybody has their own journey. And you have to the first step on that journey is really taking responsibility for yourself and stop playing the victim of your life and your circumstances. Well, I completely agree. I mean, one thing that I think about often is, especially on this journey um, and where I am today, to discover who you really are as a person, you have to go beyond who you think you are. Mm. You know, like you, like you have to go beyond fear, right. To, to experience like true unconditional love. You have to go beyond conditional love, right. We have to climb to the highest mountain and feel and experience that. And then we have to go to the deepest Valley and feel and experience that to somehow find who, who our true self is, right? Mm. Like I can't know fear without having been scared out of my mind. Yeah. Cause I've never experienced it. Um, and I think that that's what part of, you know, I, back to your original question, that also is part of our purpose in life is to experience as much of what life has to offer. I mean, like I think about you, if you just experienced life as an NFL player making millions of dollars, that is just one, like you're not going to have the, 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 the the enriched life, right? You're only going to know one side of it. Hmm. So you have to kind of let it all go to then really appreciate what you have and what you don't have and find out who you really are. That's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, that's what I say. Like I've, when I come back and I answer that question, like what's the purpose? Why are we here? Like what I keep coming back to is, is to have the experience, right? It's to experience as much as we can. We, we are here in such a finite amount of time in this infinite universe and to make the most of it. And it's not about, you know, escaping and, and going and, and kind of running away from who we really are, but it's experiencing the full depth of the experience of life. And that's all the peaks, all the valleys and learning and growing from life. And, you know, I think when you realize that life is here to be experienced and that's including the, the things that are labeled necessarily as bad or traumatic. I mean, those things, when you learn that it's all about part of the experience and it's all learning to leading to growth and leading us on the path that we're meant to be on. I mean, it's a beautiful realization. Then you can start enjoying life to the fullest, all of it. And you become 
healed on the inside, you can experience all the good, all the bad, because it is, we are on a deep level here for the experience. And it doesn't Mm -hmm. need to be all good up here or all bad, but it's just being present with what's happening. Yeah. A question that I ask myself almost daily is just, how does this serve me? Mm. So how does this moment, this experience, this difficulty, this joy, how does this serve me? What is this giving me? Because I, I don't believe that we're in control of our lives. I believe that, you know, spirit in many ways is, I, I think that, that I, th- I think that we are, you know, within a certain sort of paradigm, we're kind of navigating between the guardrails, but ultimately life is happening as it should. Everything that happens yeah. to me should happen as it should. Let's dive deeper into that. And there's these higher, um, you know, beliefs in something greater than ourselves. And, you know, what you just alluded on is this idea that I, I kind of go back and forth on is like, you know, the predestination, like our, our, our journey through life is kind of planned and we have these certain lessons that we're here to learn, but where does free will revolve around that? Do we have like a certain amount of free will? Um, so what, I mean, let's talk deeper about your belief in God. Mm -hmm. And I know you went to a Jesuit school and kind of, we can talk about how that shaped your beliefs and, what that journey was like into the experience of something greater than yourself now, because I feel like that's a big piece of the puzzle of Mm -hmm. really helping heal the world is, you know, getting out of this materialistic materialism view of reality and understanding that, you know, even science is saying this with the quantum physics and all the studies are coming out, like on the smallest level of the quantum, we are literally, you know, infinite possibility and this, this vibrational that comes manifest and, you know, people get so lost in their minds and their heads about, you know, reality is so fixed. So talk about um, your journey, your spiritual journey and your connection to God or source or universe or whatever you call it. Yeah. Um, when I think about my own spirituality, I think that there's a, I think about the, the, the pivotal moments that impacted who I am today. Um, you know, as I mentioned before, I grew up in Kansas. My, uh, my grandfather was a family doctor for 55 years. He, um, was, you know, sang at the, in my Presbyterian church choir, um, every Sunday and every Sunday night we would sit around the table with my grandparents and my, my siblings and, and, you know, other people within the community. And my grandfather would pray and he, he would say, spirit of the universe. And that was my first, I, I didn't think I knew and understood it at the time because it was just my first sort of observation. I thought everybody did that. Um, but I think about that now in terms of what that meant to him. So as a man, even then, but way back then, like he didn't necessarily pray to one God. He to a spirit. I think that that set me on my path of, of just exploration of believing in something. Um, another pivotal moment for me was I was in, when I was living in Uganda, I was actually trekking through the, through the Congo, um, to see mountain gorillas. And I was, you know, eight hours into the, into like the deepest forest, you'd, you know, is, is the Congo. 
And I came across a village, small village of about, you know, 30 Africans and mud huts just out of a movie. But there was a there was a, a church or what looked like a place that they prayed. And I looked at them. I said, wow, if believing in a God or something allows that these people to accept their reality, their existence, I think religion is a good thing because they didn't know what they didn't have. What they knew was they went, they played, they prayed to something. Um, and they were some of the happiest people that I ever met in, in Africa. Um, and then I think the last pivotal moment was when I had been through so much pain of my grandparents dying, my father dying, just feeling lonely, literally feeling like I didn't want to live anymore. And, and being on the other side of that and just thinking, wow, this, this pain, this suffering that I'm experiencing must be, must be for something like you know, I can remember after, you know, I ended up in this Singaporean mental hospital. It was crazy. And I would, I would walk on this like track and it would, and I would just repeat to myself like this too shall pass. Mm. Um, and you know, those three moments really helped construct my relationship with spirituality. And I think where my relationship with spirituality is today is yes, I believe in a higher power. I think that we all need to believe in something. I think that then we need to believe that I, I think that we need to believe that there's something bigger than us. Mm. Yeah. I think that is a, a huge piece. I think um, a lot of the religions around the world are trying, trying to make sense of the same thing, right? This connection to the divine, this connection to something greater. I think people get lost in intellectualizing what they're supposed to believe. And I think a lot of it, especially in like Western Christianity, at least the church I grew up in and, and the way I learned from my parents is that it's from such a place of fear and, and shame. And it's this fear of what happens when you die that creates this, you need to believe this one thing. And if I believe it, it kind of absolves me of responsibility of this life because I'm working for the afterlife, which, you know, it's just, it's just, it's just a place out of fear rather than love. And, you know, just like even, even talking about Jesus, like I'm really circling back at a lot of resistance to Jesus and the word God growing up because I had so many questions about this man in the sky that would, you know, shame me if I was living in not a perfect way. And it's just, it was, it was so much shame that it created. And, I've kind of circled back through my own experiences with the divine, not something that was being taught to me, but having an experiential connection to something greater than myself. I found that out in nature. Um, I found, I find that through synchronicities that happen that just, just can't be coincidental. And when I found that experience, I started finding my own truth from within mm -hmm. and circling back to really, actually the reason I circled back to Jesus is because I wanted to connect with my dad on a, on a deeper level. And I wanted to use the language that he uses to explain my experience with God. And I started diving back into 
Jesus's teachings and who he was as a man. And he literally was teaching how to fully embody love. And it's gotten so lost in a lot of these religious, you know, belief systems. And I think there's nothing wrong with religion if it is something that you experience God through. And it's a tool that way. But I think a lot of people are disconnected from the actual embodiment and experience of something greater than themselves. Completely. Uh, I, I agree with you. I, you know, one thing I also reflect on is, you know, throughout my travels and places where I've spent time, I've, I've lived in countries like Thailand, right, where there's a single religion, uh, you know, Buddhism, right? Um, you, I've, I've lived and spent a significant amount of time in India where there's, you know, a, an almost national religion. You look at uh, places like, like Israel in, in Judaism and what that religion has, has done for, for the Jewish people and their ability to persevere and move through all of the hardship and the persecution that they've, that they've encountered. And, and, and I, I just, I think that there is inherently something powerful when we all, when people collectively believe in something and have rituals and practices that bring you together. Um, you know, one of our struggles in this country, I, I believe is just, we don't have, we, we don't have the level of respect and grace for, for people's experience and what they want to experience in their life. Um, how they want to connect with their God, whatever, mm. you know, whatever church it is or whatever ritual it is. You know, if that serves them, if that provide, if that enables them to, to love and feel fulfilled and purposeful in their life, then why would we be against that? You know, yeah, and having space for them to have their experience as long as they're having that experiential connection to something greater than themselves. That's really all that matters. Because, I mean, just like this podcast, we really the more I'm learning, the more I realize I don't know, right? And we can discuss these topics, but when we attach to a belief without allowing space for someone else to believe what they believe, we're all really talking about the same thing. And then when we get, the problem is when we get divided is because we, we attach to our beliefs. And if someone, if I allow someone else to be right, then that might make my beliefs wrong. And if I don't, if my beliefs are wrong, then I don't know what happens when I die. And that creates fear. And so we should have space for everybody. And that's why I love traveling. And I know Traveling has had a huge impact on opening my mind because when you can see other people around the world living in a different way and finding happiness, you realize we're all a lot more alike than we are different. A uh, uh, hundred. I mean, that's one of the, I think that the, the sooner we get to understand that on a, on, a, on a global level, we can come together. You know, we're all, you know, we're all dealing with our own shit. We're all, we're all, we're all nursing our own wounds. Um, and I think there's a real importance of, of respecting and understanding that, you know, for me personally, I just, like, I, I wake up every day assuming that like, I really don't know much about what this existence is. Like yeah. it would be so arrogant to think that I have it figured out, to think that I have answers, mm -hmm. to think that, that I am anything beyond what I am. I mean, there this world, this universe is so, so complex and we really don't know anything. And I think I, you know, I've really subscribed to a, a, the, 
in an Eastern philosophy around like the beginner's mind, right? Like every mm. day I'm just learning and growing. Um, D- Deepak Chopra talks about how modern medicine, you know, for all it's like advances and all the crazy stuff that we can actually do, um, really only knows about 10% about our human body. Mm. You know, so it's like, wow, what if we just let go of the belief and the idea that we, that we know anything? <laughs> I know, man. Some of the wisest people in my life that I love to seek advice from are the people that they don't, they, they would say, I don't know. Like you, you are your own guru, right? And people, I mean, if you are seeking somebody to learn from, if they act like they have the answers, then I would turn and run the other way because, you know, the wisest people in my life, they, they don't, they would openly say like, I don't know anything. This is a huge mystery. And I think part of understanding that it shouldn't be a fearful thing. It should be understanding that you can sit in the presence and awe of the miracle of life. And mm-hmm. it kind of takes a lot of the pressure off, right? We get to just sit in the experience and allow the un- what the universe wants to experience through us. And I think a lot of the resistance and pain that shows up in our lives is when we're trying to fight what wants to be experienced through us. Completely agree. I think there's also a component there where we also look at human nature and why we do you know, orient towards, you know, um, gurus, right? Like what is it that attracts us? Because there is plenty of examples where, you know, when I subscribe to a higher power, I want to absolve myself of the responsibility that I have for my own life. Right. Mm, Um, and in many ways, when we orient towards a single God or a guru or somebody that has or somebody that knows what's best for us, we are, you know, we're, we're essentially like giving away our power, right? Mm, We're basically saying like, Oh, I'm not in control of my own life. Like, you know, what's best for me. Right. Mm, And it's like, no, to your point, like we are our own guru. Like, you know, we know what is best for us. It's how do we unearth that within ourselves? How do we, create that agency, create that strength for us to, you know, discover what's best for us and then to, to follow that path, whatever it may be. Um, you know, and so I think there yeah, is it takes de- work, right? Yeah. It takes a ton of work. And I think there's this delicate dance that we do with organized religion and, you know, gurus and kind of where we're at in our, in our society today versus this idea of like, you actually know what's best for yourself. Like, I don't actually know, you know, yeah. <laughs> and that's part of one of the philosophies that every man, it's like, there's no, there's no person that, you know, every man is about us all collectively working together as men to learn and discover what, what is best for us. We create the space mm-hmm. and provide the tools and the community and the resources and, and all of that to have that discovery. But ultimately Nobody at every man is telling you how to live your life or is telling you how to find your purpose or telling you how to, um, you know, have the greatest relationship in the world, like giving you a framework to explore it and discover what's true Mm. for you and what works for you. But if you don't discover it for yourself, 
you're never going to embody and own it and then and then use it to orient yourself towards that thing that you want in your life yeah yeah and it takes work right it takes showing up and and trying to find because all we can do is guide people in finding and reconnecting with themselves. And you, I mean, you talk about, you know, some dive deeper into some of these like conspiracy theories, like you can't find that connection if you don't feel good in your body. And so if we're constantly feeling sick, if we're feeling worn down and we're not showing up and taking care of the vessel that we are, then there's no way that we're going to be able to find that connection and that truth within ourselves. Cause we're going to be stuck in our monkey minds thinking about how much pain we're in and how much the world sucks. And, you know, all the work that we're doing is really trying to guide people by, providing the tools to help them reconnect with themselves. And then once you can do that, then the truth will kind of find you, right? Because you'll be able to experience it for yourself and find that connection to something greater than yourself. And then there is this little whisper that you have within yourself, but a lot of people don't know the difference between that and the the mind or the programming that they're being told on how to live. Yeah. And say, how do we break free from that? How, how do we break free? How do we break free from that? That is such a good uh, question. I thought you're, I don't know. I don't have the answer. I thought you did. <laughs> well, I was going to talk. So, <laughs> so one of the things that came to me while you were talking was um, one thing that's missing in our society and our culture. And I, 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 this is something that I would be thinking about in the future on, on a way that we can develop. But I feel like a lot of, you know, back in the day, a lot of tribes and a lot of places in the world, there's this this rites of passage, like you talked about earlier, there's this ritual, especially for men going from boyhood, going through a ritual, a rites of passage into manhood. And in our society, we're completely missing that. And I think that's why a lot of, you know, men have a little bit of um, this insecurity and this, this childlike behaviors. It's almost like immature because they haven't passed through a rites of passage into manhood. And that's something we're completely missing. And I know that's something that is really powerful of every man because you're allowing guys to heal those parts of yourself. But talk about the power of like rites of passage. I know you've traveled all over the world mm-hmm. and, and what that difference would kind of make in our you know culture. Yeah. Um, rites of passage are, are, I find them in, like beautiful and inspiring. And, you know, and there, there's so many different types of them. And I think but I also believe that when we traditionally think of rites of passage, we think about, you know, a boy going out into the the jungle or, you know, like a vision quest yeah, or something. Vision quest or killing, you know, it's like we have this kind of, you know, killing his first animal or something. We have this kind of um, like prescriptive, you know, descriptive sort of idea of what a rites of passage is. But I also think that we have to look at the, the, the functional use of those rites as a passage, like rites of passage in the native American times, like taught young boys, how to become hunters. Hunting was really a critical thing to survive, right? We had to have food. Like I don't, as a man today, like I don't need to have a rites of passage where I go out and kill an animal. I can go to whole foods for that. You know, I can buy meat that way. Right. Like, so, so, and, and nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying that those aren't, if somebody wants to have that experience, go and have that experience. But I also do think that we need to look at what are rites of passage in our current, in our, in our current construct, in our current culture, in our current society. Like how can events um, 
how can we create rituals that serve us now? And one thing that, that mm. scares me about, about young people that I see is I, I don't think young people, and when I say young, but I'm 41 years old, you know, guys in their twenties. And I mean, I observed this through every man is I don't think they actually know how to relate to older men. Mm. I don't, I see, I see a lot of, I see a, a large gap between older men that instinctively have a lot of knowledge and wisdom that, you know, part of our DNA is, is to pass on that wisdom, right? Yeah, to a younger yep. generation. But I see a younger generation being completely void of knowing how to, how to accept that wisdom, how to use that wisdom, and actually how to ask for that, that knowledge, right? And so I see a younger mm. generation of men actually being void of, of what I believe is a, is part of our, 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 our biology, right? Yeah. And that's so, where we evolved from, right? Having elders in a tribe passing on knowledge and information, but there is this disconnect, I think, because, you know, technology has advanced so fast. So there's this like disconnection of like realities are literally so different for a 20 year old. It's really probably hard. And there's like a disconnect on how to relate. How do you think we solve that problem and bridge it? Is that something you've thought about I, with every man? I, yeah, I, mean, like, I think it really? is. I think that we solve the problem by bridging it when I, I, one of the things that I get really excited about when I see younger men, like 23, 24, 25 year olds joining every man. Mm. Cause I just think about my own. Time, I was like, wow. Holy shit. If I would have done that when I was 24, I would have saved myself a lot of pain and suffering. And maybe the pain and suffering that I went through was good, but mm. if if every man was around when I was at that point in my life, I know that I could have benefited significantly. And keep in mind that you know, in many ways every man every man is what I needed. You know, I, I, you know, I needed every man to fill that hole for me in my life. So, you know, and the other men that, that, you know, co-founded every man, like they all needed it too. And so we're all collectively creating this thing that we inherently all need for ourselves. Right. Yeah. I align with that so much. I mean, that's why I'm creating the heart collective. It's like, when I was done playing, I felt lost, isolated, unsupported. I was in a locker room my entire life around all these like-minded, high-achieving guys. And all of a sudden, I'm by myself. And two years later, two and a half years later, I realized, what do I want to create in the world? And how do I want to be of service? Like, I would have had, like, I would have joined this community I'm building in a second. And it's right. beautiful that as creators, we can create these things to add value to a, uh, you know, a need that we've actually experienced ourselves. Well, and I think it's authentic. And it's what connects you to your purpose, which is the other reason why we're supposed to be on this earth, to have a purpose and to live that out. One of the observations that I have is that a lot of people spend a lot of time doing things that are inauthentic. Like, Mm. you know, it's like, I, I know as an entrepreneur that the journey that is entrepreneurship to, to, to having an idea, to birthing it, to bringing it into the world, to raising it and growing it up is, 
I don't have children, so I have a lot of respect for people that do, and I, and I certainly want that in my own life. But it is so challenging. It will bring you to your knees. It will. It the the struggle that one has to go through. You it. The only way that you will keep doing it is if it is connected to something that is truly serving you, that is your purpose, that is an authentic mm. expression of you are. Because if it's not, you will give up because it will get so challenging. Like, you know, one of the questions that I, that I ask people a lot is like, what's the thing that you believe in more than anybody? And that you'll defend to your to your death. Like a lot of people can't answer that question. Mm. They, they're not they're not tethered to a purpose. They're not tethered, you know. So maybe that rites of passage question is about like, what's the rites of passage that we need to go through as men to connect to our purpose? Because mm. I know a lot of men in this world that are not that are void of purpose. They're untethered. They're just sort of swaying in the wind. And that orientation isn't, it, 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 it's a huge energy suck. It's a distraction. Um, yeah, we have, we're told by society what, what it, what it means to be successful. We all want to make a lot of money and it kind of detaches us from really what we want to create from within ourselves. Cause we have the story of what that looks like. What are some practical tools that you would, you know, say to somebody that's trying to find their purpose and does feel lost? Well, that's a great question. Before I answer that, though, I also think that we need to look at a culture that, you know, I call it, we kind of joke, it's like the superhero culture, right? We're filled with sort of alpha males, male expressions of people that, aren't actually representative of real life. You know, I don't have unlimited amount of time to work out, um, you know, and go bow hunting and then meditate for seven hours a day and be enlightened. Like that's not my life. Like I have to work, like I have to make money like 99% of guys in this country. Right. And so when we, when we paint a picture of, guys that have connected to purpose, which is completely unaccessible and not, not, um, indicative of reality. It actually just creates a bigger divide. Like it actually just makes me feel worse about who I am because I'm not ever achieving that because we've established that that's the definition of, you know, of a purposeful yeah. connected life. Like I love guys. It's like my purpose in life is just to be the best dad for my, for my daughter. You know, my mm. purpose, you know, one of the things when I was in the corporate world, I used to love, I would love the people that would go home at five o'clock. They showed up at nine o'clock and they went home at five o'clock because you know what work was what they did between nine and five. And at five o'clock they went home and they had another life. I was the stooge that was in there till 10 o'clock every single day chasing something that I thought that I needed to have to make me feel a certain way, you know, until ultimately it didn't work for me anymore. Um, you know, I, I, 
you know, one of the hopes that I have of this this COVID period, and, and I've seen it happen, is we've all been given a pass. We've been given an opportunity to take a break from our previous reality, to step off the uh, treadmill that we got ourselves on, to step away from keeping up with the Joneses, and take a break. And live our lives differently. And my hope is, is that a lot of people don't go back to the way life was because the way life was, wasn't very sustainable mm. and it wasn't very fulfilling. And what you see is guys are getting to take a break from that. And they're like, wow, life's actually pretty awesome. You know, yeah, when, I, gift, when right? I live in Nate, I mean, I live in a small town in upstate New York. I mean, you know, Pre-COVID, my my fiance and I we had an apartment in the city. She had an office. Um, we were up and down every week, and we dreamed of living in upstate New York. And COVID, you know, took took that those things away from us, and it was painful. Um, and it's been challenging, but it's also been a blessing. Like mm. I'm getting to live the life that I ever thought that I that I wanted to to have. Um, and so to, you know, practical tips, I think one of them is just, I think of, you know, for my own life, I believe in the four agreements. I use those to orient myself every day. Um, you know, be impeccable with your word. Don't take anything personally. Don't make assumptions. Always do your best. Like start there. And then orient think yourself towards the things that bring you energy, like, mm. and have the consciousness and awareness to say like, oh, when I do that thing, it doesn't make me feel happy <laughs> or it actually makes me feel upset. And, and, and just kind of use that energetic relationship with that, with that feeling to sort of decide what where you should be orient yourself like, um, and, and give your, give yourself permission to actually feel what that is. Like if it feels good to, I don't know, like my fiance thinks is hilarious. Like I literally every morning I go out in my underwear in my backyard and drink coffee and look at my plants and watch them. Grow. <laughs> I love that. And yes. she's like, what in the fuck are you doing? And I'm like, I don't know. It like, makes me feel happy. I don't really care. Mm, I love like, what are the neighbors? I I'm like, I don't care because it makes me feel happy. So do things that make me feel happy. I think the other piece is just knowing when our gut instinct is protecting us. So like from a fear standpoint, like our gut instinct is, is intended. That's fight, flight, or freeze, right? That keeps us safe. So know when to know when we're not orienting towards something because it's scary and know when our gut instinct is actually holding us back from that because it wants to keep us safe and learning how to actually override that. No, I think about mm. relationship, like, Oh my gut instinct is like, Oh no way. I don't want to do that. But my, but it's because it's scary to make commitment, to make a commitment, but actually knowing that commitment is going to serve me is, is, is a powerful thing. 
Yeah. I love the saying, this is what I attached to when I was done playing football is on the other side of fear lies freedom, right? I truly believe that the thing that scares you the most, that's probably the thing you should head towards. And that's probably your purpose because the universe is not going to just give something to you. It's going to challenge you. And that journey of overcoming your fear is going to lead to so much growth that you're going to find out who you actually are and what you're capable of. Right. Uh, You know, our lowest self is our highest self right? Our deepest wound is, the, is what we're trying to heal the most in our lives. You know, I think mm. about my own self and my journey with every man. You know, I always wanted a dad. I didn't have a dad. Um, my relationship with my dad was fractured. Um, you know, I, I always wanted to be of service. I knew that from a very young age. I knew that I knew what it made me feel like uh, when I was able to to help and care for others. And I think about, well, the things that I need in my own life, it's not surprising that I would be giving myself to, to, to this, to this mission at this stage in my life. Um, it's beautiful, man. Let's, um, let's kind of come back. I know back to the question, cause I know we're, we're kind of going long here. Um, I, I would talk to you forever, but I know you are a busy man building this amazing company. Um, I know you've mentioned earlier in the podcast, um, you've dealt with death um, quite a bit in your own life. Some people that you've loved and really close to have passed away. So talk about that journey. Um, you know, what do you think happens when we die and how, you know, I think in our culture, in our society, death is such a taboo thing to talk about and it's kind of brushed away. And if somebody dies in our family, we really don't not even give them the time or space to grieve that properly. Um, but what do you think happens like on a spiritual level when we die and what is the afterlife like in your opinion? Honestly, I, I don't, I don't think about it a lot. Um, because my focus is on living this life. Mm. And when this life ends, I don't have much control over when this life ends. This life will have been taken from me. Um, but I don't necessarily believe that I ever owned this life. Like this is the life that I was given, you know, on my travels, I used to always, I mean, I can remember being like Northern India up like Nepal, that, and like, just like looking at somebody and just being like, holy shit, like, how did you get that life? And I got this life. Like, I didn't have any control over that. I had nothing hit to the, do Hit with the that. lottery, huh? Uh, hit the lottery, but, but maybe I didn't. Maybe somebody else, we all believe that we hit the lottery if we're, if we're living that life. But I think that mm. I, I, I just, my, my focus is on living the current life and living the present life. And I think that we die another life starts, but I don't have any sort of concept of what that life could be. I think that we, yeah, like there's a part of me that just like, I get excited. I'm like, wow, I I don't even know. I just want to, that's kind of cool. I want to discover that something like, you (laughs) know, my, my grandpa always is like, something will happen. Mm. (laughs) I don't know. Something's going to happen. Um, I do think that we pass on. I do think that 
I, I do think that we are a tiny speck in a great universe that we know very little about. Um, and I'm excited about whatever that next journey will be, but in the current, but I'm really focused on living the current journey and maximizing this chapter before I start that chapter. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it could be the most beautiful experience that we ever have. Right. And we're not going to know until we go through it. And the cool thing about death is it's, it's a shared experience by every single human on this planet. It's something that we can all know that we all have in common. Right. We all die. We all take a shit, you know, um, I don't care who you are. And Mm -hmm. my, my, my truth is like when I die, I'd like to know that the time that I spent on this earth was in service, was aligned with my purpose that ultimately I had a life that, that had, you know, we, we talked about it the other day, but like, I really believe that, you know, a, a lot, your life should have a lot of chapters. Like none of the experiences should be the same. Like, you know, you played in the NFL. That was one chapter. Great. You're in another chapter. Like our relationship with like the linear is so interesting. Like, I, I really think that that it, it doesn't serve us when we think everything is forever. Mm. That's like the practice of non-attachment, right? That they talk about in some Eastern religions, mm-hmm. allowing it to flow. Well, the, the, yeah, it's the, beautiful. The, it's the, like, the what truth, story truth. do you want to write? Yeah. I mean, the untethered soul, you know, true spirituality is the act of letting go. Mm. It's beautiful. Well, you kind of answered it there. My last question for you is, um, what do you, what do you want to be remembered for? Um, um, I want to be remembered, uh, as somebody that, um, believed in something bigger than self. Um, and that contributed to shifting, uh, uh, shifting our way of being, shifting our way, our mindset, um, you know, but I don't have to, I don't have to change the world. Like, that's not what I think about. Like what I think about is like, I want to remember that somebody like showed up, lived life, and contributed and helped others, you know, um, and was in his, you know, and, and helped in, inspire people to find their path, whatever it may be. It's beautiful, man. And I definitely see you on that path and I see your heart <laughs> of service and it's, it's really amazing to be on this journey with you. And I feel so supported by you and, you know, if there's anything I can do to be of service to you on the journey, you know, you're my brother in on this. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time, man. Um, and we'll definitely connect again soon. I know this podcast is going to add a lot of value to a lot of people. Thank you, Joe. Um, and keep on your journey, man. It's, it's, um, it's a real honor to, to walk alongside you and, and know that, you know, whatever every man had, it was a, was a little, spark maybe or along that path and you know keep taking your your gifts and your wisdom and your genius and joy to the world because i think you know many men will be well served by it 
Thank you, brother. I really appreciate that. Gratitude for the sunrise. Gratitude for the sunshine. Gratitude for the moonlight. Every day feels like a new life. Especially when I meditate. Take a breath and then I elevate. Everything deserves gratitude. That's my everyday attitude. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed that episode of Quantum Coffee with Lucas. Uh, he's an amazing man. I hope you got a lot of value out of that. I know I did. If you guys want to go support him, uh, go check out Everyman, everyman.com, E-V-R-Y man.com. They're doing amazing work in the world. And if you know, if you're a guy or you know a guy that is missing and you know needs community in his life and wants to feel supported by a group of men that are, you know, have the ability to hold space, no judgment, just the ability to really express openly. It's really beautiful work that they're doing. So go check them out and I'll see you guys next time.